Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio. Speaking truth to us and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know? Don't tell me, Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens are coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. Hello? My fellow Americans, I'm about to sign into law the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I want to take this occasion to talk to you about what that law means to every American. 188 years ago this week, a small band of valiant men began a long struggle for freedom. They pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, not only to found a nation, but to forge an ideal of freedom, not only for political independence, but for personal liberty, not only to eliminate foreign rule, but to establish the rule of justice in the affairs of men. That struggle was a turning point in our history. Today, in far corners of distant continents, the ideals of those American patriots still shape the struggles of men who hunger for freedom. This is a proud triumph Yet those who founded our country knew that freedom would be secure only if each generation fought to renew and enlarge its meaning. From the Minutemen at Concord to the soldiers in Vietnam, each generation has been equal to that trust. Americans of every race and color have died in battle to protect our freedom. 
Americans of every race and color have worked to build a nation of widening opportunities. Now, our generation of Americans has been called on to continue the unending search for justice within our own borders. We believe that all men are created equal, yet many are denied equal treatment. We believe that all men have certain unalienable rights, yet many Americans do not enjoy those rights. We believe that all men are entitled to the blessings of liberty, yet millions are being deprived of those blessings, not because of their own failures, but because of the color of their skin. The reasons are deeply embedded in history and tradition and the nature of man. We can understand without rancor or hatred how this all happened. But it cannot continue. Our Constitution, the foundation of our Republic, forbids it. The principles of our freedom forbid it. Morality forbids it. And the law I will sign tonight forbids it. Tonight, the campaign against the right to vote, voter suppression. Joining us, Judith Brown Dianas. She's the co-director of Advancement Project. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Stay tuned. No, no, Thank you for being here with us at Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and we invite you to join us at Our Common Ground Studios at Blog Talk Radio, backslash OCG, where there is a robust discussion a forum that you can use in the course of this broadcast tonight, this special regarding voter suppression campaigns in America. In 1965, the Voting Rights Act was passed. Following a long history of voting discrimination, and today the U.S. Department of Justice enforces Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, which prohibits any state from implementing a discriminatory voting practice. However, in Wisconsin this year, where 55% of African-American men and 49% of African-American women lack state identification, preliminary data indicates 
that the photo ID law enacted in that state would racially discriminate if the Justice Department does not begin to stop the campaigns of these laws being implemented in many states. Tonight at Our Common Ground, our guest, Judith Brown Dianas. She's the co-director of the Advancement Project. She has an extensive background in civil rights litigation, which includes fighting to protect the rights of displaced Hurricane Katrina survivors. We'll be talking with her about the work of her organization and her research and work in regard to voter suppression. Thank you once again for being with us. And Judith Brown, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me, Janice. Let's, let's, um, I, I, I am a child of Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. This entire, all of these events are very disturbing to me. When I think about that my parents were well into their 30s before they were able to legally vote, that's the background from which I approach what's happening in this country. But before we begin to talk about voter suppression and these strategies to essentially steal the elections, not just the presidential election, but the elections at the state and other um, congressional elections in 2012, let's talk about the work of the advancement. Can you tell us a little bit about how you began and how you got involved in both Katrina survivor rights as well as voter rights? Sure. Um, the the Advancement Project is a next generation civil rights organization that uh, supports grassroots movements uh, for racial justice and for just democracy. We have uh, we started the organization in 1999, uh, a group of veteran civil rights lawyers, including myself, and we have uh, since 1999 been doing work in the areas of education, um, voting rights, uh, immigrant justice. We also do work around community development, and after Hurricane Katrina, we did um, significant work in New Orleans on behalf of survivors of Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we got into our voting rights work after the 2000 election and actually were uh, counsel in the case representing African Americans and the NAACP in the state of Florida after the debacle in Florida. Uh, the Florida presidential election, and in 2005, when Hurricane Katrina hit, uh, you know, we we consider ourselves first responders to civil rights crises, and Katrina was uh, it was clear that what was happening going to happen in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina was that there was going to be an attempt to do a mass removal of for African-Americans from New Orleans. And we were there uh, working to stop the demolition of homes in the Lower Ninth Ward, um, to stop the evictions of, uh, of people from their rental units um, right after the storm. Um, we also sued to open up satellite voting, off, voting booths um, throughout the state 
of uh, Louisiana so that people could vote in the mayoral election because we knew they wouldn't be in New Orleans. And then finally, we actually uh, brought a lawsuit that's actually still pending to stop the demolition of public housing in New Orleans because that, of course, was it was clear that once they got rid of public housing, that would kind of be um, their last-ditch effort of getting rid of poor black folks in New Orleans. And so all of our work is really around building power in communities of color and ensuring that we have a just democracy that is inclusive of communities of color. Well, I, I I just have to say that I have been over the last years and I'm so very impressed with the with your work, with the work of the Advancement Project, and especially uh, looking at the 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 depth in which your organization. When you said first responders of civil rights crisis, I got a little chill that went up my spine. <laughs> Thank you. you know, when, when I think yeah. about it, um, I am um, of that generation of the first wave of, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> of uh, law students coming through the civil rights movement under the tutelage of um, Derek Bell and mm-hmm. Chuck, Chuck Hamilton, and we were that gener- of that generation that had the passion and the fire in our belly about what right. we should do. And it's so good to see other brothers and sisters that have come behind us many years later still with that fire. And I, I, I've been wanting to to say that to you for months well, now. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's um, you know, when you uh, grow up under the tutelage of people like Derek Bell, um, who I admired, um, you know, uh, he was one of those people that kind of set the roadmap for a lot of people. Yes. Um, and it was clear that um, everything that he, he taught us um, really, you know, it wasn't the traditional civil rights story and narrative, right? And it really was about how we can be creative and how we can fight to protect the rights of folks um, mm-hmm. who really are those who are who are most disengaged and most disenfranchised. I mean, so at Advancement Project, we really kind of we take on some of the hardest issues, and um, we have a, a great group of committed folks who are doing that work, and we've also been kind of pioneers on building the movement to stop the school-to-prison pipeline. Um, that's work we started in 1999. That We started before um, it actually even had a name. <laughs> Back mm-hmm. then it was mm-hmm. just our kids would get kicked out of school um, and yeah. get arrested at school, and we don't know why, why that is. And, and we mm-hmm. just, you know, kind of built this movement. And But, it's you know, it's all with the idea that power is going to come from the grassroots. And what we're going to do as lawyers is support that movement building um, mm-hmm. because that movement building is important. And, and the folks on the ground are the folks who know the best, know what's right for them, what's right for their communities, and are the ones who can hold government and systems accountable and what we as lawyers can do is support them in those efforts. Mhm. Um for our audience, how do you get individuals involved in the work in the support of the work that you do? 
So we, um, I mean, our work is mostly um, systemic work where we work with um, grassroots organizations throughout the country. And what we do is that we will um, support them in their efforts on the issues that we're working on. Um, We also, you know, love to have volunteers to do research, Um, definitely lawyers. We're always looking for lawyers who we can partner with at the local level. When we bring lawsuits, we always need uh, local counsel. Um, And, of course, you know, we want people to be engaged in the work that we're doing um, because there's, there are some things where, for example, we have um, soon we'll have a petition coming out um, to put pressure on DOJ, and we need folks to be aware of what's happening, to be engaged, and, and we try to give folks the tools to be engaged, but also the tools to do to do their own work on the ground. So, for example, mm-hmm. Advancement Project has we develop a series of of tools that are we call action kits. Um, they're not toolkits. We want you to act. And so on our website, which is www.advancementproject.org, there are a number of action kits where folks can go and take the lessons that we have learned from doing our work around the country with grassroots folks um, and really put that put that into play and start to move some things in their own community. Mhm, mhm. You know that that is so important to be able to give people the tools and the resources because I know at the local level there are people who are simply who want to do things, they want to take action, they want to take on and concentrate on some of these issues, but they're not sure how they do that. Mhm. Right. You know, and that's, when and that's I was, why we do those action kits. Yeah. When I was a freshman. Um, I, I don't think I was in Boston two weeks. I, I'm originally from West Palm Beach, Florida, and, and I can talk to you a little about the um, kind of things that you faced in the in the Florida during the election in, in Florida. And the, mm-hmm. and I knew all the people at the at the table counting chads. Um, <laughs> but um, Tom Atkins who was at one time the uh, chair of uh, NAACP LDF, was a law student at Harvard when I came to Boston as a freshman, and he decided to run for city council because the desegregation of the Boston schools was upon us. Mm -hmm. And I, I volunteered in his campaign, and when he was elected as the first black city councilman in the city of Boston, and he was a law student at the time, um, mm. I, I worked for him for uh, both term. I, I worked for him in, t- through law school and through business school, and I think that we need to groom more of our kids at the college, so I've got a college student down there in D.C. who's a who's my granddaughter, and she's in her freshman year. And uh, I'm going to send her your way for some volunteer stuff because she's a pre-med major, but uh, I'm trying to get her involved in issues of of other things other than becoming, Mm -hmm. uh, going into medical school. So I told her I was going to find somebody who would take up some (laughs) of her time. (laughs) That's great. Got things to do, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and, and one of the things I think that's helped people, I mean, people have seen you on MSNBC and heard you on 
uh, Washington Watch and 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 heard you talk about uh, especially people in my audience who watch watch news shows. They're all news junkies, it seems. But one of the things that I like to impart to people about people who have found their presence and place uh, in in the empowerment of our people and our communities is what was the first inkling that you had uh, to do this work? Hmm. Um, My mother was a community activist. And, Uh um, you know, I was in my first protest that I can recall at the age of three. (laughs) And so um, there was always this, you know, this discussion in my household about about what was happening in the country, about race. Um, And, you know, and then I think through my own experiences in college, I was was a student organizer um, at University of Pennsylvania through – um, some uh, racist actions that had happened on campus, and then again in law school, and was um, the chair of the Black Law Students Association, and then chair of the National Black Law Students Association. And again in law school, having to fight at Columbia Law School against um, some uh, white professors that um, clearly did not like the diversity of the student body. Yeah. Um, and continually tried to demean black students. Um, and, you know, we staged a protest, took over the, the the law school, and, you know, and that was not something that was to uh, be heard of at Columbia. So, yeah. you know, I think um, I think just, you know, you, you get that one whiff of injustice. Um, and, you know, and also I was I was somebody who was, um, lived in an all-black community, but was bused a voluntary busing program in New York City to a white school, and so you know I had to I had to live the uh, yeah. you know as they say we wear the mask, and um, so I had to I had to live in those two worlds, and so yeah. you know there were clearly disparities that were always um, bothersome to me. Yeah, the patterns repeating themselves. I'm much older yeah. than you, and I was the first black student to attend. Uh, a white to integrate a white school in Palm Beach County, Florida. Mm-hmm. And, and Palm Beach County uh, is still not known to be very friendly to black folks. <laughs> no, it's it, it's it's not. But you know, it's really interesting uh, when uh, Thurgood Marshall used to talk about the divide and how power, how much power was on both sides of the divide, and. And it, and even though it was a segregated community that I grew in, it was a very powerful black community mm-hmm. uh, where black people understood the obligations of community and that uh, you you reach one and you teach one. And right. um, I, I dare to mention that in some ways that has been uh, diluted and uh, diluted, and 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 there are various reasons why it has. But mm-hmm. it's you you look at these patterns over and over and over. I was speaking to a couple of um, um, students um, who are working as internships in, in my office the other day, and one of them was at Brandeis. And my daughter's a graduate of Brandeis, but. I was arrested at Brandeis in the 60s. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, mm-hmm. and he was talking to me about some of the problems that he is experiencing right now uh, in that environment. So, you know, it's just the pattern yeah. repeating itself over yeah. and over. And and it seems to me that one of the things that we have to do is to shore up our children, to teach them what it all means to be marginalized and what is the appropriate strategies and responses to it. Yeah. Uh, but you 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 are certainly one of my sheroes and oh, when i you. when i put my gavel down and when i when i put my law books away <laughs> and when i put my microphone away um i do it thinking of people like you in a very peaceful way <laughs> well, i appreciate that <laughs> okay let's let's um let's talk a little about um what you find in your work and the advancement project, because one of the things that I advocate on this program is that it's not enough to talk about it. It's not enough to read about it. It's Mm -hmm. not enough to just process it in a personal way, but you have to process it, uh, all of this information, in a way that assists you in in, in fulfilling your civic obligations. What is one of the most uh, critical impediments that you find in your civil rights work? Where do I begin? (laughs) Um, I think think a few things. One of which is, um, you know, we started Advancement Project with the idea, you know, I worked at the NACP Legal Defense Fund Mm -hmm. um, for a number of years and, and our other uh, co-founders also worked at the Legal Defense Fund, and one of the things, one of the reasons that we started Advancement Project was because the courts were shifting rights, and with that shift meant that we were losing cases um, of great import, and that we could, we felt like we could no longer rely upon the courts to fix civil rights problems. And that what we needed to do was to go back to the basics of the civil rights movement, which is um, having a movement and strengthening that movement, Um, also doing, um, and that's why we support grassroots organizations. Secondly, um, having a strong communications arm um, because when you look at, you know, the civil rights movement, um, there was also, you know, people, we were, you know, the civil rights movement, there was changing the hearts and minds of Americans, right? Seeing it on TV and seeing what was happening to people really was, there was some a turning point um, because the country had to shift, Right. And then what happened was the courts followed, right? And so the idea is that we wanted to get back because we have to shift the courts in the right direction. But in order to do that, we have to have the context for it. And the context for it is building a movement, strengthening that movement, and then using changing public opinion and the discourse on issues of race and then pushing the courts in the right way. And so... You know, that's we don't do a whole lot of litigation. We do some, 
Um, but what we find also is that the work that we do in grassroots organizations is often quite difficult because um, the organizations that we work with, we work with black organizations, Latino organizations, Native American organizations. Most organizations um, that represent people of color don't have a significant amount of capacity, right? And so um, our organizations tend to be more volunteer-based, right? When you get more volunteer-based, you know, this we are living in a different period where volunteer organizations, you know, of yesteryear were very active and very effective because there were clear targets, there were clear enemies. Um, now things are a little bit more subtle. We're talking more about structures and systems of oppression, um, and folks don't always kind of pinpoint those things, right? And it's, so it's a little bit more difficult to ferret out who's the target. And so that makes our work more um, more difficult and more complex. Um, but we still find that there are some great organizers on the ground. There are people doing some amazing work in communities throughout the country, and that's what we try and do is to help them and support them in whatever way that we can. Mm-hmm. And And that's why, folks, we have to begin to finance the work that's being done in our communities. Nobody else is, the Cook brothers are not going to come by, the Koch brothers or whoever those nasty evil men are, (laughs) they're not going to come by and say to the Advancement Project, do what you do and we'll give you a couple of million dollars. It's not going to happen. It's not happening. (laughs) It's not happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's one of the problems that we find in this you know, especially in the African-American community, is that um, we don't have a funding base. And, you know, the thing is that if we don't care about our organizations, why isn't anybody else? Exactly. And, you know, I mean, because, uh, you know, we, we can't, and, and we can't expect that when people do support us that they're going to continue to support us, they're going to support us when we decide to do something that they don't like, they'll put the plug on it. And so yeah. we really have to be willing to support things that are going on in our own community because we, we just can't depend on others to do yeah. that. And, and what I'm asking, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, you folks know that I have no problems begging. Here I go, I'm going to beg. I'm turning <laughs> into a temptation right, behind, right in front of your face. Send these people $50. Every one yes, of you that's please. listening to this broadcast, send fifty dollars. See, I'm not like some other people who say send five dollars. Five dollars will do nothing. <laughs> if every one of us, if every one of you listening to this broadcast tonight, and this is a special, send the advancement project. I I've posted the link, advancementproject.org, in our chat room. If you send fifty dollars. It will make a difference. Yes, it will. You know, and I appreciate and that, people, Janice. I, I mean, we have got to stop doing. You keep doing what you're doing, folks. You keep getting what you're getting, and that's why they are going to. They are financing with every breath and every dollar they have to steal every advancement 
that people have died for in this country, and we're going to get to voter suppression because it's so important. But there are other issues as well. We've got to... We have got to be the foundation of the people that work for us. I mean, um, Judith, were you at LDF when uh, Elaine Jones was there? Yep, she was my boss. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) She's my friend in Thoror. Yes, (laughs) and she Um, she is my mentor. We have to understand that these are people who work I mean, if you if you think about Makani Thumba, who is Nixon, who is always with us at the Praxis Project, mm-hmm. or Tracy Washington down there at the Louisiana Justice Coalition, if you mm-hmm. think about all these people, I know because I've been there. You work 24 hours a day. Advancement Project. The, if you're doing it, the work that they're doing every day. It's seven days a week, 24 hours a day, on call for people like me who say, come at 10 o'clock. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm asking if you will just send $50. And, and, you know, the thing is, don't get all scooped up about it. You can send $10 this week, $10 next week. And send ten dollars every week for five weeks. How about that? (laughs) Break it up. (laughs) That'll work. Break it up. Yeah. And people, I mean, folks need to understand that you know while we're organizations like Advancement Project are supported by foundations. I mean, like you know we're like ninety percent funded by foundations. The foundations, you know, we had one foundation that you know that closed down after the um, Madoff scandal. And that was a significant blow to us. Yeah. Um, and they were funding work that we were doing around um, getting re- voting rights restored for people with felony convictions in the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. We had to stop that work. And right. it's because we didn't have another funding source. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we go into 2012 with all of the what's happening with voter suppression, you know, we need support more than ever because there's also, I mean, there's just a lot of people, there's a lot of apathy out there, even with the political donors who are thinking, oh, we don't really need to worry about it. You know, when I think about the education work we do, um, that is like some of the hardest work to raise money for is educational equity for our children. You know, I can't, you know, you just can't find those kinds of dollars out there. And so, you know, any support we get is really instrumental to putting our folks out in the communities to really solving problems. I mean, I have to tell you, our team has, they are just the most committed folks. And the work that we have done, when I think about our school-to-prison pipeline work, we rewrote the school discipline code in Baltimore City. Baltimore City had, you know, graduation rate of like 34%. Their graduation rate has gone up significantly. Their um, their suspensions, out-of-school suspensions, went down from over 22,000 to 9,800. The arrests in schools have gone down by more than 50%. 
all because we worked with that school district, we worked with their new superintendent, we rewrote their discipline code so that it changed the culture so that they would keep children in school and keep Mm -hmm. them on track academically and get them towards graduation. And Mm -hmm. so Baltimore has changed, has turned around because of the work of Advancement Project and the leadership in Baltimore. So so it's Mm -hmm. concrete results that are impacting children and families, um, restoring voting rights, et cetera, that are the things that are the cornerstone of our work and really makes, you know, makes the work that I do, of course, meaningful to me every day and brings me to work every day because I know we're making a difference. Well, you know, the thing is I want people out there to think about, if you're working on issues of education, for instance, when I lived in uh, as an adult in Palm Beach County and I was a consultant, I was on the board of the Education Foundation. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues that I pushed on that board for the three years that, that I was on it was the issue of inequitable discipline of black boys in public schools. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't shut up. And they set aside so much money to work on a project that I kind of designed. And had there been an advancement project, we would have tapped the advancement project to come in. But instead, we had to go to the Harvard School of Education because the only people that I knew was working on the issue was mm-hmm. a brother over at uh, over at the Kennedy School. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, right. But, This is how you can begin to work for the organizations that work for you. Look at what your churches are doing. You you know you're spending like $5,000 to bring somebody in to preach. Instead of having somebody spending $5,000 to have somebody preach the same sermon that somebody else preached a couple of weeks ago, use the $5,000 to bring in the advancement project. That's how you build community. That's how you empower community. So. Uh, we're going to take a break, Judith, and when we come back, okay. we're going to talk about voter suppression, and um, we're going to set it up, and I'm going to invite your calls at 347-838-9852. You're listening to Our Common Ground, a special event tonight to talk about stealing your vote. They will do it. They are at it. And I want to know what you're going to do about it. I'm Janice Graham, and my guest tonight, Judith Brown Dianis of the Advancement Project. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Your right to vote is under attack. It is your franchise. Will you voluntarily disenfranchise Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves? Who's going to stand for us. Thank you so much for being with us here at Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Enter the Lion's Den. Enter the Lion's Den with LDX. At Information Man, Swagger Talk Radio, at TruthWorks Network. TruthWorks Network. 
me deep in this black and gold city. I lay two mics on my chest and tell my body liners that I did my best. Yo, when I die, don't show me no pity. Bury me deep in this black and gold city. Lay two mics on my chest. And tell my royal lions that I did my best. I'm a royal lion, hear me roar, just in war. I'ma bring my people to the light, this secure. I'm a royal lion, hear me roar, this is war. Knowledge is the shield, your tongue is the sword. The sky is the limit, but we shackled to the floor. I'ma bring my people to the light, this royal secure. Royal lion mob, into the lion. Enter the lion's den with LDX, featuring Information Man. Only at TruthWorks Network, Thursdays, Fridays, 9 p.m., East Coast, West Coast, meets. I'm going to bring my people to the light this year. Royal Lion Mob, into the lion. The odds of this daughter of a clergyman spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 150. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. about voter suppression and our guest, Judith Brown Dianas. Judith, again, thank you so very much for, for joining us. And for you out there, thank you for joining us as well. Give us a, a picture of what this assault on voter rights is. I, I know that it started in Wisconsin or Ohio, and it's just bleeding all over this country. Right. So um, let's go back a little bit to 2010 um, when uh, voter turnout was down as compared to 2008, and there were a number of legislatures um, that uh, flipped and became controlled by Republicans. Um, As soon as that happened in the first two months of 2011, 32 states, put in place or uh, attempted to put in place by proposing legislation that would require photo identification uh, issued by the state in order to vote. There was 32 states, um, and they took it up very quickly. Um, There is a group called the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is funded by folks like the Koch brothers who um, they put together, they're basically a policy shop that puts together templates of legislation. Yes, ALEC, right. And ALEC puts together templates of legislation that's to be used um, in state legislatures, mostly by right-wing legislators. Uh, ALEC had put together this template that then was used in these 32 states. 
Um, that legislation moved through very quickly in some places, um, but it wasn't just the photo ID stuff. There, in addition to the photo ID restrictions, there were rollbacks in early voting, um, which in many states, you know, they've extended voting, so it's not just the Tuesday, but you can go in the weeks leading up to um, the election day to go and vote. Um, in a place like Florida, uh, early voting was a, a very important um, turnout mechanism because what it does is that it stretches the election over time. You don't have to stand, you know, actually the lines are longer on, for, for elections on early voting anyway, but still you could decide I'm going to vote on a Saturday. I'm going to vote on a Sunday. In fact, um, in Florida, there was a campaign called Take Your Soul to the Polls, where there was major turnout in African-American churches on Sundays to go vote in 2008. Well, the Florida legislature this year decided to cut back early voting. Um, they cut back the number of days of early voting, and they cut out the Sunday right before Election Day, which was the Sunday of major turnout of black churches. Um, that was no coincidence. In fact, election officials were upset because they like early voting. And so you had these two, these two pieces. And then the third piece of oppressive legislation was um, restrictions on voter registration groups. Um, African Americans tend to register or, uh, through voter registration drives more than they do through government agencies. And we know that, you know, we get canvassers who go door-to-door -door in our neighborhoods trying to register people. Well, the state of Florida, the legislature, figured that out and figured that that was going to be another way to suppress the black vote in Florida. And so we have the photo ID cutbacks in early voting, restrictions on voter registration, these three pieces working in tandem to suppress the vote of people of color, but not only people of color, they will, we, it will also affect students who do not have the photo IDs, it will affect elderly folks who cannot get the ID, um, and it affects poor folks because while in many states, while you will be able to get a free state ID under these laws, you still have to pay for the underlying documents. So, you know, when we look at this, all of these pieces coming together, this is the most widespread voter suppression effort that we have seen in this country in more than a century. Well, you know, the thing... I think most people are looking at this and saying, this can't be, this is not happening, this this is not real. Yeah, um it real it is real. Um you know, and we have to we have to look at this um you know, let's put this in context, right? Because in 2008, voter turnout was up among African Americans, Latinos, and young voters. All of those groups will be negatively impacted by these new laws, right? We also should put this in the context of, you know, we just mentioned ALEC, right? Let's put this in the context of corporate greed. What this boils down to is greed 
took our homes, took our jobs, and now they want to take our votes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A total package of disenfranchisement. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, this has been, you know, over the year we've we've seen these things roll through. In Texas, for example, um, Texas was a place where Governor Perry uh, put the state photo ID law uh, into play as emergency legislation Um, because what it would do as emergency legislation is that it would cut and restrict any kind of debate about the law. And when Texas passed this law, um, one of the things that they allowed was you cannot use a student ID, photo ID in Texas. You have to have a state-issued photo ID with your current address on it, but you can use your gun license in Texas in order to vote. And so, you know, places like Texas, there are 600,000 already registered voters who do not have the state-issued photo identification. So, you know, these are huge numbers we're talking about. South Mm -hmm. Carolina, where you will not be able to use student ID, all those black students going down there to historically black colleges will not be able to use their student IDs. Um, 178,000 already registered voters do not have the state-issued photo ID. Wisconsin, 78% of African-American males between the ages of 18 and 24 do not have state-issued photo identification. And so these numbers are huge, and the impact is significant on African-American and Latino communities and on student voters, all of whom are needed to turn out in huge numbers in 2012 like they did in 2008. And, And what people don't understand is that they are selling to their constituencies this whole myth about voter fraud. And, by the way, thank you so very much. And for those of you who haven't caught it in the Washington Post uh, this week in the Post Opinions, uh, Judith Brown Dianas, our guest tonight, wrote a piece called Five Myths, Challenging Everything You Think You Know. And maybe you ought to print it out and take it to work so that people have at least a little bit of clue that this is all a rule. <laughs> That's right. I mean, that, I, you know, people need to do need to read those five myths because – we need to share with people the fact that, you know, they say, oh, well, we're doing this because there's voter fraud. You are more likely to be struck by lightning than to find a prosecutable case of voter fraud. Mickey Mouse does not show up to vote as Judith Brown Dianas. And so, you know, all of this talk about voter fraud, you know, then, you know, and, and you know, we have to understand the people who are putting out these myths, Right, they they need to find some excuse for it. But what we say is that this is a solution without a problem because at the end of the day, you know, the Bush administration spent from 2002 to 2005 looking for cases of voter fraud to prove their point. And in all that time, they found 86 cases, none of which would have been 
um, prevented by photo ID because photo ID is only going to prevent Mickey Mouse from going in as Judith Brown to go vote. And mm-hmm. so, you know, this uh, that's not what's happening. We don't see and, rampant voter fraud. In South Carolina, Tennessee, states like that, they absolutely had, when they went to pass these laws, they had absolutely no evidence of voter fraud in those states, and they passed it anyway. Anyway, yeah. You know, and it's really interesting uh, that you point out in this piece in the Washington Post that uh, that that talks about uh, the Kansas Secretary of State, Chris Kobach, who's mm-hmm. defending it and simply saying nobody's going to get disenfranchised when everything shows that they are. Okay. But, but then you turn around and nobody's talking about the problems of voting machines and the stealing of votes in Wisconsin with a single person counting votes in an election or the machines that might be rigged. That's right. They didn't and, throw and, that in, and, the, in the mix. And and the the trickery that happens too, right? The you know in Wisconsin, you know you had you had the stories of people being told that the election day had been moved. Uh-huh, right, that's uh-huh. that's the fraud in the system to try and yes. rip people off. I mean, you know what this does is at the end of the day, the folks who are moving this are undermining democracy by cutting off participation. You know, mm-hmm. this is the fabric of our democracy. You know, it is. You know, it. I always say that election day is the great equalizer. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, black, white, Latino doesn't matter what your religion is. We all have the same amount of power when we walk into that voting booth. And that is what they're trying to take away from some of us and and make us voiceless. You know, and the thing is, last week we did a, a, a our show was open mic, and I was calling it Occupy Your Black Mind. You know, <laughs> forget about Occupy mm-hmm. Right. Um, we have lost our sense of claim. Yes, folks, I said it. Claim. Uh, 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 C-L-A-I-M. We don't claim what is ours, and these are our rights. And we should be occupying the Department of Justice in every regional office and at Washington. We should be have a movement, Occupy Eric Holder. We should have a movement to occupy every state senator or state legislature or governor who has advocated these impediments to our liberty. Mm-hmm. You have no voice without a vote. And those of you who are sitting there and saying, well, I got my driver's license. Well, hell, I walked around for six months last year and didn't have a driver's license. Not one that was valid because I just didn't have time to go get it. Now, suppose I had gone there and they said, oh, no, you can't have any more because you waited too long. I mean, all (laughs) all of these things matter. You know, we have a memorial service for Martin Luther King. We talk about how much we love Malcolm. We talk about how much we believe in the principles of Garveyism on this program. We're always talking about 
our black consciousness and how to activate it and empower it. But if we let this stand, what's to be next? That's right. What's next? Because if you don't have a vote, whatever is next, you're just going to have to sit there and take it. Just take it because you can't vote them out because you don't have a, a right. ID. Or, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know. Um, right, so right. And, you know, and I think just, that you know, one thing that folks also need to understand is that, you know, like you said, you know, somebody saying, oh, I have my ID. Well, you know, it's estimated that there are 21 million Americans in this country that don't have ID, 25% of African Americans do not have photo ID and it's not you know and it's not just the photo ID right but it's that these states are requiring they have restricted the ID down to one type of ID under federal law you can come you know you can register and show all kinds of identification including your utility bill right yep. because no one suspects that you're going to go set up a gas account with your name on it at some address to go steal a vote, oh. <laughs> you know, so yeah. so you can go register, use your utility bill, use any kind of ID, student ID, et cetera, to register. These states are restricting it to one identification, and it has to be the current address. You know, a lot of folks move a lot, so your current address may not be on your state ID. Well, yep. those are the folks that are going to be hit by this. And, you know, and the numbers, I mean, 25% of African Americans in this country. That's that's huge. Yeah, that is And, huge. you know, and people say, oh, well, you need it to get on a plane. You know, well, first of all, voting is, is a right. It's not, you know, a luxury of getting on a plane. And so there shouldn't be a barrier to voting. Second of all, you actually don't need it to get on a plane. TSA will accept multiple forms of identification, like I was just saying. So, you know, we, I mean, that's why we have got to cut through these myths. Folks need to, you know, not only educate themselves, but start telling other people about these myths because there's a reason why people are putting out these myths, because they want to steal the vote. They don't want us to participate because they understand at the end of the, day, of the day what this power is all about. They they really do understand what the power is all about, because I, I read in the GRIO this week that, just as you said, 25% of all the African Americans who voted in 2008 that elected Barack Obama are now estimated not to be able to go back and vote in 2012 because they won't be able to meet the voting requirements. And the other is, and 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 we're going to take some calls because I know I have, I have some people I have people waiting to talk with you. But the other is, you got to get to the spirit of this, and the spirit is. This is the evidence that they are taking back their country. Right. And if we stand and allow this, there's nothing, folks, left mm-hmm. but to go to work. Right. Right. Yep. And if your church is not involved in this issue, you need to find another church because you can go to another church and take your Jesus and whoever with you. 
but they have also stolen our church, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow night with Tamalyn Tucker Wards on the mega black church, the black mega church. But we're going to go, uh, Judith, take some calls, and we're going to go right into 312, you're on the air, I respect you, with Judith Brown Diana. Hey, uh, Janice, this is House. How are you? House music lover right out of Chicago. Good, thank you. Um, I want to say hello to Judith, uh, your guest, too. And, hello. Uh, I wanted to uh, pipe in real quick about the um, condition in West Palm, especially in 2008, and how, uh, of course, just like all over the country, and um, in particularly Florida, uh, Palm Beach County, how that early voting um, absolutely impacted uh the election and how people were standing on the streets and they, I mean, they were deep. I was down there living in West Palm at the time and the, the early voting every day, you, you would see lines of people standing in the, the, the places where you can early vote. And yeah, that Sunday before the election, there were people, there were hundreds of people out. Uh, one place in particular I rode past, uh, Janice, you're probably familiar uh, with it. It was a, uh, um, um, it's on um, or was a military trail and gun club road. It was a. Uh, mm-hmm. the, it was hundreds of people out there. They're out there passing out water. Um, there were so many people out there, and they had to stand out there for so long. So yeah, they um, they absolutely took notice. And I guess with the 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 paltry selection of the the people running for the Republican nomination, they can have the um, they can they can have the the Canes and the Perrys. And because they know they're taking a different road to the election uh, this time, they're um, through this suppression. And they're not going to have to have a consensus candidate where they're really appealing because they're going to go after the vote in a different way. Um, and I'm well, looking one of actually, the things they've done in Florida is they won't have early voting and they won't have Sunday voting. And I'm looking at an email that I would send um, on the 24th of August. I vote um, by mail, and that law also they redid the, uh, the the if you vote out of state, it's not out of state, but you're in, you're in, yeah out of state basically. Um, you have to re-register. That's right. That's right. You have to re-register. I'm looking at it right now. Um, That's right. And That's right. They're changing yeah, the rules on you. They changed the rules, so and and it's no big deal. But if I didn't know. If I wasn't informed, I would have made the call next year and been like, send me a, 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 um, a form, a ballot, and mm-hmm. they would have looked and I didn't re-register and I would have been disenfranchised. So, yeah, they, they definitely they have another plan um, of going after the vote this time. And I'm wondering, yeah. with the, the Voters' Rights Act, um, is there any way that, and you quoted some, some numbers um, of how many uh, blacks, uh, mm-hmm. Would be affected. Yeah. Is there a way that they, it can be proved on a federal level to challenge? Well, I guess you have to challenge state by state. The the laws that were passed, the voters uh, right, uh, voters right. Uh, that that was a federal law, but all the states get to make different laws. Um, right. Is can we show a pattern so that can, it it can be challenged by state, and if it, it doesn't go through with state, it can can be appealed on a federal level. Yeah, so that's um so what's happening now is that some of these um two of the laws are actually 
um, waiting for the Department of Justice to approve them. Um, there are certain states, especially those in the South that have a history of discrimination, that have to get, um, whenever they change their voting laws, they have to get approval by the Department of Justice um, under the Voting Rights Act. Right, and that's Section 5. That's actually five. Section oh, 5 okay. is the mm -hmm. pre-approval one. And so what has what's happened is that um, the Department of Justice uh, um, is looking at South Carolina, and Texas. And so the kind of data that we're talking about is the kind of data that they have to consider in making their decision. Um, we think that folks should be calling the Department of Justice and weighing in and saying that we cannot allow to, to turn the clock back and that this Department of Justice has to stand up to these states that are trying to cut off our vote by rejecting these laws. Mm. I agree. I, I would uh, hope that um, DOJ would, would take up these cases and take up that position. And I mean, it seems and, and you should also know, right? And you should also know, Florida, the um, the early voting statute is also being challenged. That one's being challenged in court right now. Um, and that, again, is because in Florida, um, nearly 30% of voters cast early ballots in 2008 with twice as many African Americans doing so than whites. 53% yep. um, yeah. of African American voters cast early ballots. And so, you know, so that's one of those where, um, you know, the courts will look at, you know, the disproportionate impact on African Americans. And, you know, mm -hmm. but as I said, you know, when we started the show, part of what we do at Advance Watch, we don't believe that the courts are not always going to be the place where we settle this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We have got to have a movement that is pushing back against this stuff, that doesn't allow this stuff to pass. And then if it passes, that we make sure not only that we're equipped to meet the rules, right, because we still got to vote and we still got to jump through these barriers, but that we vote because when right. we vote, we can vote these jokers out who passed these laws in the first That's place. That's right. That's right. right. Thank you, House Music Lover, for your call. Got to go to – I got to stay in your city uh, with 773. I believe this is Alpha. Welcome, Alpha. I respect you. You're talking with Judith Brown Dianas. Well, good evening, Janice, and good evening, Miss Dianas. Uh, just to just to uh, I guess take a different approach to this. You know, uh, I heard uh, House just mention about something that had he not been, you know, aware and vigilant about, he would not have known. But I believe that when you have this these draconian laws being passed, the Department of Justice needs to be more vigilant in protecting the voters' rights act, number one. But number two, when you get right down to it, the, isn't the onus on bringing this to the light, isn't the onus on the people who it's, who it's affecting, the party that it's affecting, the Democratic Party, as, as there's a level of malfeasance, mismanagement, negligence, and basically pointing the finger. You know, 
If someone is throwing rocks at you or someone is shooting at you, the first thing you do is you point the finger and say, there they are. And that's what the Democratic Party is not doing. They are not challenging. You know, when the Republicans want to get rid of you, they demonize you and vilify you first. Then they bring you down with nonsense. And what they are simply doing, they have demonized and vilified black voters' rights by simply falsely declaring voter fraud. First they bring down ACORN, then they attack your rights. At this point, there needs to be a drumbeat. You know, we all know Republicans are against women, children. They're protecting the wealthy. I mean, there needs to be a a finger pointed at them and say they are also trying to disenfranchise Americans in an un-American way, unpatriotic way, and to steal the votes. They should be demonized and vilified as the villains here, as the bad guys. Well, I have to say it, it is unpatriotic because clearly um, this is not what our democracy is about. Uh, people should be able to participate. Um, they should not be erecting barriers to participation. And, you know, when you look at, um, I, I was looking at some, some study recently that showed that um, that the people who voted for um, these laws um, 93% of Republicans in the state legislatures that passed them voted for it. So, you know, I mean, when we line it up, that's who's, that's who's behind it. And, yes, it is unpatriotic. It is un-American. But there's another point to it, Alpha and, and Judith, and, and that is that, you know, Alpha, we're always – Pointing, we're pointing the finger at the GOP. We're, we know these people owe us nothing. Owe us absolutely nothing. They have shown that they're they are shameless. They are unpatriotic. That they are about greed and cartocracy, and that's the bottom line for them. But I want to know who's calling uh, the Democratic National Committee and saying. Where is your presence in the discourse about voter suppression across this country? Who is talking about it? At the local level, the the, the Democrats in the congressional uh, delegation from, from Illinois and Massachusetts and Florida, those people need to be at a microphone every day on this issue. You cannot get them to a microphone to talk about the, all of the other things. Look at, look at what you have here. You have Republicans whining about class warfare, the president sowing the seeds of division. You've got them whining about all of the things that they whine about and play victimhood. Where, is, where are the Democrats? Where is the Durbins, the Careys, the Schumers, the Reeds? They remain silent, and that's my point. It's, this is about carrying a message and about the ability to raise the issue, frame a narrative. And the Democrats well, week, are awfully short for 30 years. 
Last well, week we were talking about how you occupy your black mind. You go to the General Assembly of your local Occupy movement and say, hey, if you're not talking about voter suppression, I don't want to hear anything else. Because mm. right now we have to, we are being disassembled. Right. Well, let me say this. I do think, um, you know, when these laws passed in the seven places that they passed, they also, you know, it was 32 places that took this up. So um, they didn't get it through in a lot of places. They got it through, and it's going to be significant. But, um, you know, there were a number of states where it failed. There were five states where it was vetoed. Um, and so I do think that there were people, I mean, I know, because I know Advancement Project was part of it, and I know that there were a lot of legislators in the states that were part of fighting this stuff off. And, you know, and, and it's not over. I mean, when when we get into legislative sessions for 2012, we expect to see these bills popping back up again. And the only way that we're going to stop it is if we're vigilant and we're also pushing these state legislators to be on our side and to make sure that they're vigilant about it and, you know, and, and to make sure that we're connecting the dots, connecting the dots to what's happening with Occupy Wall Street, connecting the dots to what's happening with collective bargaining. I mean, you take away, literally, take away the the jobs that people have, their ability to make, a, to make a good wage and have a good job, and then you turn around and take away their vote, too. I mean, at every angle, this is happening to us. Mm-hmm. This is the Take Back, Amer- take back My Country campaign that started, it started with how you treat um, people who are coming out of prisons, felons, and their vote. It started with demonizing the black president. It started with, it, it, it started long before, just a couple of months ago, when some of your media started talking about it a little bit. Exactly. Well, you know, and I say exactly because this is like, like you know, you mentioned about ALEC. You know, they've, you know, made these blueprints that are being followed, and it's corporates, it's corporations, and it's Republican Party. Now, yeah. when you get right down to it, we can – yell and scream about those people who aren't registered to vote. And that's a given because we know there are an overwhelming majority of African Americans aren't even registered to vote because if they were, it would be that much easier. Seven million to be exact. We can't dwell on those who haven't stepped up and even registered as of now. But they are moving on the people who are registered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you, Alpha. I've got to move on to um, so that I can get some more calls in before Judith has to leave us. But you, you, you hang in there, Alpha. Uh, you keep pointing. You keep yelling at the GOP, and I'll see if I can't get <laughs> Debbie Wasserman uh, on here um, to, to 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 hold her accountable. Okay, issue. well, I've got no issue. problem with that. I'm, I'll talk I know to you don't. I, do, I know you don't. 
just, just make sure you got some rocks in your pocket. I've got them in the box. <laughs> Thank you for your call. We're going to go to 239. You're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Hello? 239, you're on the air. Yeah, so, uh, hi, my name is Rashid. Um, number one, I want to say I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Advancement Project. I I know uh, uh, Judith Brown through my partner, but I know they do great work. However, there's some several themes that have been that have been talked about in terms of voter suppression and in terms of what we're doing in policy. And Janice, I hear what you're saying in terms of what we can do. So I guess the question I pose is, what can we do besides the policy front? You know, we have to work as an, as an ensemble. It takes two to tango. So yeah. I, what can we do in terms of, in terms of people? It, it's got. To, I think. I think we need to be more scrupulous in terms of galvanizing how we get this information out. But I'm. I just pose the question to both of you all in terms of what do you think we can do besides mm-hmm. on the policy. I'll, I'll let Judith is the expert here, but I have some ideas. But I'll let her yeah. respond to you. Sure. Hi, Rasid. Uh So yeah, I think that um, that we all have to take part in this movement. Um, as I said first. We have to debunk this myth around voter fraud. We have to really take it on and educate everybody we know about it because people have have believed the hype around it for way too long. Um, Second, we need to make sure that, you know, that as these state legislatures come back into play, that people are calling their state legislators and saying no to these voter ID laws. Mm -hmm. Third is that if we do not participate in elections in the presidential years and in the so-called off years, I mean, you think about these laws were passed because people did not participate in 2010. 2010. And so they were able to take over these state legislatures and get their agenda passed We're looking at Congress. You know, we were talking about Senator Durbin. Senator Durbin held a congressional hearing. That was wonderful. It was good. I testified, et cetera. But he can't move much because he doesn't have a House that can cooperate him because we didn't turn out to vote in 2010. Uh So we have to be active in participating in voting every year. It doesn't matter if it's presidential year or not. Um, and then I think, you know, making sure that at the local level we are involved in the fights that are going to happen over the next year. Well, totally yeah, agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Rashid, the, the other thing that I think that we have to do is that we have to promote and advocate the history of voting rights in communities of color. There are people who have forgotten how this all came about. Exactly. Uh, the, and, and, and I think that if we can rekindle our respect and our honor for people like Fanny uh, Hamer, for people like Rosa Parks, and understand why we honor them. This is one of the reasons that we honor them. 
I mean, I, I, I in my lifetime, I, uh, I, I attended the sixty, uh, the sixty-three march. I attended the Million Man March, the Million Woman March, um, the the Reverend Al Sharpton's a hundred thousand different marches. Um, we have to engage in a way that honors our ancestors, that honors those whose shoulders we stand on. Because I couldn't pull, I couldn't go to a voting uh, uh, to vote if it weren't for those people. And and every you know, day, with that I mean... Said, with that said, with that said, I mean, that's, that's I, I think with that said, and, and that's what we should be doing. And I think that we say it so eloquently every year, you know, as, 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 as the people of color, but we don't execute it so poetically. And I right. say that in the sense that because we lost, we lost that sense of scrupulousness. We lost that sense of not the integrity of the vote, but of the value of the vote. Because That's since right. 1960s, we haven't done anything. Okay, we haven't mm-hmm. done anything in the sense that we don't imbue as other movements have. You know, I've, I've, you know, I come from, you know, I come from a family where my my mother experienced some of the movements in West Africa, lived, you know, lived, lived to see Kwame mm-hmm. Nkrumah during independence. But those movements had uh, not only a sense of organization, uh, it had a sense of, you know, what most revolutions have, is despite what the obstacles are, you know, water finds its way. So you mm-hmm. can always find a way to overcome the powers that be. So I say that in the sense that, that there was a sense of galvanization. There was a sense of, you know, occupy the vote, occupy your congressman, occupy the, you know, local yeah, person. Yeah, occupy the DNC. Occupy but it was just not said. It was done. Yeah. And I said, and there was, there was information that's passed on. There's not only information from your neighbors, like, you know, that loving brother, you know, you, you can talk to that person. You can. So with that mm-hmm. said, it's like, you know, we, we're, we, have, we have been westernized to, to, to have this great information intellect. But what we lack, what we lack, is, and this is just self-criticism, just people as a cause as a whole, is that, that the sense of galvanization, the sense of the, the mellifluity of getting things done as a whole. Thinking as a whole, breathing as a whole. If we work for the civil rights organization, we, we not only talk it, we not only fight the policy, but we breathe it when we walk mm-hmm. in the streets. We mm-hmm. breathe it when we... If we if we go to a right. we support a local restaurant. We don't go to the fancy restaurant. We don't go to the, we don't go what's popular. Right, right. Rashid, you've got to come to our common ground every Saturday night because I think that liberation is a holistic uh, state. And until we begin to understand that, there will be no liberation for oppressed people in this country until we begin to understand why we wept when we voted for Barack Obama. Um, There will be no, um, I mean, I remember turning to my grandchildren, and they were just actually put out because they went to vote with me, and I was weeping because I remember. So, uh, Rashid, uh, you have to uh, go to our – this is how you get connected with us. We're here at Our Common Ground every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about the black megachurch, and I'm definitely going to be on fire. Uh, <laughs> and and, and, and we, one of the things that we need to do is to, is to breathe the spirit 
into our communities of liberation. Right. Because voter right, if you lose, if you lose your right to vote, you are truly an oppressed people. You have become equal to those people in third world countries. I lived in Rwanda. Um, I have spent months in South Africa. I know it, it will be no different. Rashid, thank you so very much for your call. I, I, I did you, enjoy Rashid. your call. And, mm-hmm. and Alpha will be um, airing tomorrow at TruthWorks at 3 p.m. right here at Blog Talk Radio. That is our other arm. Thank you very much. And we're going to go to 908. No, we're going to go to 239. Is that Rashid? Hello? 239, are you there? I think that was Rashid. 908, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Oh, I think that's one of our our uh, listeners over a smart device. Judith, um, well, hello, 908? Yeah, can you hear me? Uh, yes, thank you. I respect you. Okay. Uh, Judith, I just want to say first thank you for the work you're doing. I don't know if you hear that enough, but but Mm -hmm. some of us out here really appreciate it. Thank you. And I appreciate the the movement-building approach that you have. I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's really the key to all of this. Um. I think, as Rashid was saying uh, in the the previous call, uh, you know, we're we're missing the mark in a big way, and I think a lot of that has to do with the professionalization of the the movement. You know, it's it's become the work of uh, paid organizations who who approach it in a different way, uh, and it's. It's not enough. We've got to get to a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as BJ was saying, you know, the business about looking at this more holistically, I think we have to include um, real work towards eliminating racism, for one, uh, and real work toward ongoing political education. Uh, It it truly, this business of freedom, you know, it's truly a matter of cannot rest. Right. And Mm -hmm. to understand that because the minute we we rest, these kinds of things happen. And from my perspective, this this really has, I, I became an adult where my first, presidential election was uh, where Ronald Reagan was elected in 1980. And so for me, this business of take back our country has been going on at least that long. Mm -hmm. And the people with that kind of agenda have a very long-term holistic view. I look back on that contract on America. And it's as if they went through every single aspect of life 
and figured out how they were going to hurt poor people. Yeah. And did yeah. a good job of it. So, so to me, this is just, you know, yeah, we have to put a lot of energy into the particular issues around voter, voter suppression right now. Um, but we've got to look at this in a more holistic and long-term way. And I, and I think that's all I want tonight. Well, thank you, thank Michelle. You. Thank you for your call. You. We're glad you're with us again here at Our Common Ground. You always bring some insightful detail. Somewhere right. in the crevices where the truth lies. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, have a good thank evening. You. I'm going to put you back on mute because I know okay. you're listening on your listening device. And, uh, Judith, we have a couple of other calls. Okay. And I know that you are going to have to leave us. You can't stay with us all night long. So we're <laughs> going to go to um, 239, who I hung up on. 239, you're on the air. I respect you with Judith Brown, Dianus of Advancement Project. Two three nine. Okay, you're you're listening and you don't want to talk. Three oh one. You're on the air at our common ground. Thank you for your call. Hello, Janet. This is this is Lion Dan LDX in the building. LDX in the building. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, I was just listening to you guys about voter suppression, and, and, and you know, all, like a couple of my shows in the past, always talking about voter suppression. Um, the, the big question is, since we have the Occupy movement and the 99 percent movement, should should they, these guys, should everyone come together and and start having voter suppression protests? Since it's happened on at least 36 states already, been passed with voter ID laws. Should these people come out and just protest for voter suppression, you know, violating everybody's rights, whether it's African-Americans, college students, and the elderly? Well, I, you know, I think that um, the Occupy Wall Street movement, um, you know, should take this on as one of the issues because it is, as I had said, connected to uh, to corporate greed, right? And it is about how do we take away economic power, how do we take away political power of folks. Um, one of the things that we're um, we're going to be doing as Answer Project is um, probably in the next few weeks we're working on uh, doing teach-ins um, with Occupy Wall Street on voter suppression issues. Um, because we really do want folks to take on this issue and to understand the interconnectedness of all of it. We don't expect that that's going to turn that into a movement for voter suppression. Um, One of the things that has been, um, I think, very powerful about this movement is that it is very organic and that it, you know, there are clear messages about what the people that are part of it are for it has a great potential to be a multiracial um, movement, a cross-class movement um, that can deal with many issues. And I think that this is this is one of the issues that will be core to what um, will need to be done in 2012. And that again, making connecting the dots, 
to the greed and to Wall Street are going to be very important. And I think this issue is, you know, one of the front and center issues. Let me suggest something to you, LDX. I know that you are a fledgling uh, activist Mm -hmm. and uh, that you're in the Washington, D.C., Maryland area. Uh, You might want to go to D.C., Occupy D.C., to their every every uh, Occupy air location has what they call a general assembly. Mm-hmm. Find out when their general assembly is and be one of the speakers. Okay, right. I'm work really a, yeah, I'm really a yeah. part of Occupy DC now, and I'm I'm really working okay. on trying to talk to the, the organizers of Occupy DC and see what we can do to see if I can become a guest speaker and you know and just support it. One hundred percent. Look, let me let me tell you something about uh, the '60s. When you went to a, a T10 or a takeover, you didn't wait for anybody to give you permission to speak. <laughs> We're not looking for permission in all of this. This right. is the, the the time, the urgency of the matter is that. When there is some silence and somebody's coming off the stage and somebody's coming on in, you jump up and say, we need to have some understanding about voter suppression and uh, campaigns in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's all you okay. have to do. Uh, okay. And we could talk. We can talk more about that. Um, and um, and also, at our I, w- I wanted. I wanted to mention that on um, December 10th, there will be a march in New York City um, that will wind up outside of the U.N. Um, that is um, a march demanding um, human rights around voting rights, and um, that is being led. Our organization is participating along with the NAACP, um, uh, some of the labor unions, like 1199, is supporting it. And so there is an effort um, to have a major march in New York on that day, on December 10th, and the march is called Stand for Freedom, um, and you can get information off of their website. Okay, Stand for Freedom is right. the... Um... I think that's that's the website, is Stand and then the number four, Freedom. So. Okay, okay. So L L D X, you get your work cut out for you. There's yes, no I, yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, thank you for your to, call. We're glad to have you with the movement. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. We need thank, all the soldiers everybody. we can get. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everybody. Thank you. Nine five four, you're on the air with Judith Brown, the honest of the Advancement Project. Hi, Judith. This is Carolyn from South Florida. Hi, Janice. How well, are you? Hi, Carolyn. Welcome. Hi, Carolyn. Well, I work for Advancement Project, and I'm one of those soldiers on the ground here. Um, kind of an old <laughs> soldier, but still a soldier. <laughs> and I just, um, I know we're at the end, and I just wanted to add uh, an uplifting story um, because we've, I've been listening a lot, and a lot of the calls are about um, folks not being engaged, um, communities not being engaged. And, you know, I have to say that that is beginning to change, and we're beginning to see communities here call us 
because they're so disturbed about this new voter suppression bill here in South Florida that they're actually calling us and asking us to come to their churches um, to teach them about this bill and teach them how they can still register voters. They want to be poll workers because they want to take over their own precincts. Um, they've just realized, you know, that you don't have to be a special person to be a poll worker. You just really have to volunteer. Mm-hmm. So we're training a, a, a group of folks in central Florida in a That's little great. community called MIMS, of all places. And Jani said, I don't know if I'm MIMS probably the is. only person that ever heard of it. Exactly. I worked on the on the campaign for um, Bob Graham when he was running for Senate in his first term. That's so, and that's where Mel- that's where Melanie Campbell, who is the head of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, is from. She's from exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and you know the, the Carolyn, home of Harry really Moore. Yep, that's right. It, it's really interesting. My my folks are race folks from Florida for five generations, so mm-hmm. I know an awful lot about Florida and the politics. And and Harry Moore was a very good friend of my father's. Wow! And as a child, when they, when he and his wife were murdered, um, mm-hmm. it was a very disturbing thing for me as a child to have to live through. Mm-hmm. But in MIMS, when black people were unable to travel equally on public accommodations in the South, People drove their cars, and we drove to Tallahassee, Florida quite often and to Jacksonville quite Mm -hmm. often. And when you got to MIMS and that Mm -hmm. area, especially at night, my father would admonish you to slouch down in the back seat. Mm. Mm. And I can remember forever slouching down in the back seat of our car and mm. thinking with without not saying it because I didn't want to upset the adults that somehow we were running from, because my father would move through these communities very fast, that somehow we were, were being, um, uh, that we were hiding from the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. Mm. That was the life of, of the South during Jim Crow. Um and and I I discovered I never thought of, never understood that children died until four girls were were killed in a church in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. That's how I discovered children die. I didn't think children died. So uh, these are all things and you know what Rashid was talking about. These are all things Carolyn that we mm-hmm. we really have to claim so yeah. that we understand how important this is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, you know, I and know that And thank you for your work that... down there in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Carolyn is a, a local voter protection advocate working throughout the state of Florida, trying to beat back the crazies in Florida. Oh, yeah, there are plenty of crazies in Florida. <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> Carolyn, but, thank you so very much. Thank you, And Carolyn. I hope you'll join us each Saturday. We're we're here each Saturday, 10 p.m. 9.08. I'm sorry. 
239. You're on the air. I respect you. I'm still having a problem with 239, but we're going to put you back on hold. Judith, this has been such an honor and a pleasure for us at Our Common Ground to have you. Oh, thank you. It's and I am hoping that you all don't forget about the $50 just because we've been talking. I didn't forget <laughs> about the $50. <laughs> That's right. You, you can go to advancementproject.org and there's a big about. donate button. <laughs> <laughs> Click um, twice. <laughs> we 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 want to wish all of you at the Advancement Project um, our very best. And any way that we can help, we certainly will help. Thanks. And one of the things that I hope that people will get involved in getting the tools from you that you need, that they need to begin to initiate, organize, resist uh, in communities at the local level. You hear Carolyn calling in and, and she's working in, South, in, 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 in Florida. Uh, voter protection is something that ought to be sacred to every one of us. That's right. And Judith, you are doing uh a hero's work. Oh, thank and you. you are making a difference in America, a difference that will count in our history. And and I thank you so very much for, for joining us tonight. Well, Janice, thank you for thank you for having me and being supportive of Advancement Project and our our great team that we have there. Um, you know, these are these are really difficult issues, um, and you know, we're we're just we're up for the fight though. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm glad that you're on the air and and educating folks about these issues because we need troops. Um, we used to have this saying when I was in uh, the National Black Law Students Association that we'd say we need to put our feet in the streets. That's right. And you know, and we have got to do that in every way, not only through protesting, but being on online, doing Facebooking, you know, ed- you know, educating our friends and family about these issues, and weighing in with these state legislatures when they take up these bills. Um, you know, and I, and I really want folks to continue to be in touch with the Advancement Project by going to our website um, at www.advancementproject.org. We will continue to have updates around these laws. We're going to have um, a video coming out soon about voter suppression in a couple of weeks, and we're hoping that that will go viral with a petition that will um, put some pressure on the Department of Justice to do the right thing to to deny approval of these laws that are, you know, just old-fashioned Jim Crow voter suppression. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thank you, Janice, for uh, for having me tonight. Well, thank you so very much, and we'll certainly be calling on you again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pre-pass going on here. <laughs> but, oh, I am hoping Thanks. I posted again in our in our chat room the uh, link to Advancement Project, and I'm hoping that you will see uh, a way to make a donation of just uh, $50 or or, or more um, as a Kwanzaa gift to our community. 
Um, and yes, I know I put everything on Kwanzaa, but you know uh, <laughs> that's better than going to Kmart or Walmart or all these other places where we are spending our money and they're using their profits to organize against us. Judith Brown, Diana, thank, thank you. you so very take much. Take care, and Diana. You, you have a good weekend. Try to get some Thanks. rest. Okay, I know there's no rest care. for the warrior. And thank you all for your calls here at Our Common Ground. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some programming. We're also going to um, try to um, get you involved in some other things. You're listening to Our Common Ground. And uh, I'm Janice Graham, and our number is 347-838-9852, and I want to talk with you. The following is a paid political announcement from Mr. John Chapman, chairman of the Mid-City Development Plan. It does not necessarily represent the viewpoint of this station. Ladies and gentlemen, you ask, what are the Negroes kicking up such a fuss about? You ask, what do they want? Well, I'll tell you what they want. They want our jobs and our houses and our churches and our country clubs and our beaches. Now down south, they know how to handle them. They keep them out of their schools and their parks and their restaurants. Up here, we gave them the inch and they took the mile. We gave them education, we gave them jobs, we gave them neighborhoods of their own. And what are they doing now? <laughs> They're demonstrating. They're marching up and down the streets and carrying signs. They're saying, we want full citizenship. We want full integration. Well, let me tell you this. God made them black because they are different. And no bleeding hearts and no new laws are going to change them overnight into white men. This is Our Common Ground. This is voter suppression. It's voter disenfranchisement. This is voter confusion. This is voter restriction. Well, in a word, chaotic, I guess. It's confusing to say the least. But I think that's what they wanted to do. They want to make it as confusing as possible. It, as you mentioned earlier, it's going to disenfranchise about 20% of our voting population in Wisconsin, and that's by design. It's going to be very difficult to get the kind of ID that you need for a lot of people. And so chances are some people will probably stay home. But those who do show up at the polls, and they don't necessarily have the proper ID, depending on whether or not the clerk actually knows what the law is, maybe they will be able to vote, maybe they won't be able to vote. Who knows? But it's certainly going to be confusing. You're tuned in to Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Thank you for being with us. We're grateful for your listenership. We looked, at, looked into the eyes of evil, pure evil, and said to ourselves, what is this country coming to? What have these bigoted rape, and I'll repeat it, bigoted rape. If anybody wants to challenge me on that, have that, have that. Common sense, who no countries, 
It's the Alpha Show, Saturday, Truthworks Network, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Bring your own rocks. And your A-game. The Alpha Show, Truthworks Network, Truth is spoken until it's done. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our Common Ground. Tonight. Wow. Is she not spectacular? I I just people who do this work, you 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 have no idea out there. Well, maybe you do. Most of you do. The work that this woman does from day to day is so critical. Is so crucial to the fundamentals of democracy and what liberty and freedom means in this country. That I don't know. It, it, it's just we should always, uh, and 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 I just really honor and praise the work that this organization does. Thank you so very much for being with us tonight. We want to thank Rashid and House Music Lover, Michelle and Alpho and Carolyn, um, for their calls tonight. Uh, it makes a difference when we can get together and talk about these things because it is one of the ways in which we support each other. I want to invite all of you to be with us tomorrow night when we meet with Tamil, Dr. Tamalyn Tucker-Wargs. She's an Associate Professor of Political Science and African American Studies. Uh, and uh, she has just published a new book and the name of the book is The Black Mega Church. It has to do with the experience with the issues of not only the church as an institution of religion, but the church as an institution of framing politics, gender, and race. And she'll be with us tomorrow night on our regular scheduled program uh, right here at Our Common Ground. The, uh, and I hope you'll all join us. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, we do a lot of talking about how important the black church is in the black community. But we, do we really understand? Do we really understand the kinds of uh, uh, changes the church has has undergone uh, over the last 50 years. Um, what Dr. Tucker Works proposes is that the black megachurch really is uh, the result of the civil rights era, 
and we hope that you will join us. Also, some other program notes tomorrow afternoon. Uh, For those of you who uh, are new to our Common Ground, we have another channel, and it's called TruthWorks Network. And I am proud to announce that uh, coming November 3rd, TruthWorks Network will provide weeknight programming for every night of the week. Our our two newest additions coming November 3rd is Enter the Lion's Den. Uh, You all met tonight. Uh, We want to thank LDX for his call. Um, And he asked some very interesting questions, the three-prong, because, you know, we we think about voter suppression about people of color, but, but these voter suppression campaigns are against students, and they are against elderly people. And he brought that to us in his comments when in his call. But he is the host of Enter the Lion's Den that will be coming to TruthWorks Network on Thursday and Friday nights at 9 p.m. And we hope that you will join him in his debut at TruthWorks on November 3rd. On November 15th, Peter... Matthews will be joining TruthWorks Network with his show, The Global Voice, talking with people who are making a difference around the world, who work on just issues of justice, issues of human rights, issues of civil rights, and I think that you are really going to Uh, have to make it a talk destination. Two new shows at TruthWorks Network. Power Views, which is Reloading the Truth, rebroadcast of important interviews, which our interview tonight with uh, Judith Brown Dianis will go on Power Views when it returns on December 16th. Power Views will be moving from Mondays to Tuesdays. And for those of you who are new, if you'd like to receive our newsletter or be in touch with us, we are at Twitter at twit our twit is on Twitter is Janice O C G and we have a community forum which is our common ground hyphen talk dot ning dot com. You can also find links to our community forum. Uh, if you go to our website at OurCommonGround.com. We also are on Facebook as Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. We have a lot of places. You know, it's really interesting. I was trying to catch up on my web work the other night, and I'm saying to myself, have you lost your mind? And I know if I had called Alpha and asked Alpha if, he had, if I had lost my mind, he would say yes. Uh, and he'll probably say it on his program tomorrow, 3 p.m. on TruthWorks Network, The Alpha Show. <laughs> we have five nights uh, of, on, of programming. Monday night will be The Global Voice. Tuesday night, Power Views. Wednesday, you can join Architects of Change with Alvin Dowling and Friends at 9 p.m. Thursdays and Fridays. Enter the Lion's Den, 
And on Saturdays, every Saturday at 3 p.m., Alpha is armed with his bucket of rocks, common sense, just damn politics, 3 p.m., all on TruthWorks Network. And, of course, I am here each Saturday at Our Common Ground, and we're going to start working on some programs. No, don't, don't, don't even think about it, house music lover. I am not going back to five days a week of Our Common Ground, but we're going to be doing some things. We, we've just really enjoyed uh, having all of you uh, with us tonight. Let's check in our chat room. Um, to see what's going on in here. YJ, good evening, sir. Good to have you. Sarang is in the chat room. Uh, LDX. Uh, we have guests and um, Alpha, who is our chat room moderator, who always is at asleep at the the um, button. But he's a good guy anyway. Uh, I want to uh, also express my sincere um, subscription and solicitation of you uh, to um, make a contribution to Advancement Project. Their website is advancementproject.org. Uh, and over the next month, uh, commit. I mean, these people didn't ask me. I don't know how much money they have. <laughs> but I think that it is important for us to support the people who do the work of organizing, resisting, and changing on our behalf. So it's the advancement advancementproject.org, uh, uh, and also continue my support uh, of your support or solicitation for your support of the Black Agenda Report. The other thing that I want to do before we have to leave out of here is to say happy birthday to Ruby Dee. Uh She is one of the people that I most admire. Thank you so very much. I'll see you right here tomorrow night with Dr. Tamalyn Tucker Wards, the Black Mega Church. What is it all about? I'm Janice Graham. Thank you so much for being with us. You've been tuned to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. And don't forget, here, our Common Ground, each Saturday, 10 p.m., speaking truth to power and ourselves, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Have a great weekend.
young turk maybe 